Hey, you're listening to Innovators Can Laugh, the fun startup podcast. I'm your host, Eric Nocher. On ICL, we interview an innovative entrepreneur in the European tech startup scene every week. My goal is to have my guests share their wisdom while having a little fun in the process. Now let's dive in. Hello, beautiful people. How are y'all doing? This is Eric Nocher, and thank you so much for taking the time to join me out of your very busy day as I get to talk to some of the most innovative and inspiring entrepreneurs in the tech scene here in Europe. Now, I'm going to introduce you to Pushkar, but before I do that, I don't want you to miss a single episode of the show. So whatever platform you're on right now, if you haven't already, just reach out and give that subscribe button a push. That way you're notified every time there is a new episode. Anyway, my friends, I'm really excited about this. I'd like to introduce you to Pushkar Chatterjee, co-founder of Ava, a startup that uses artificial intelligence to analyze video streams from CCTV systems, which are a network of cameras with a central recording hub, thus extracting valuable insights about consumer behavior for businesses in retail and commercial. In this episode, Pushkar is going to share with us how he got started and if you want to get started with AI, some of the steps that you can do to incorporate AI into your business. Pushkar, welcome to Innovators Can Laugh. Hey, Eric. Good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, my pleasure. So you're from India, but you lived in Sweden for a number of years, and now you are in Cluj. How did you arrive in Romania, Pushkar? <laughs> That's an interesting story, but you know, it was because of an Excel file and I, I, I kid you not, right? The company that I was working for at that time asked me to sort of establish operations in Europe. And we were looking at, you know, countries like Poland, the Czech Republic, Hungary, Bulgaria, and Romania. And we were, we, we sort of, you know, did a, an internet-based research and we, we, we ranked different cities in these companies, in these countries based on, you know, the, 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 the universities, the, the, you know, the number of students in the university, the languages available. And, you know, obviously the, you know, the cost of living and so on and so forth. And Cluj sort of, you know, overall uh, ranked number one. And we said, okay, let's go to Cluj. Now, why, why did it and rank number March, one? What, what was so special about Cluj? Well, it's, 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 it's interesting. And, uh, you know, just keep in mind that, you know, this, we, we ran this Excel file back in 2007. And, uh, and even though, you know, there were at that point of time, you know, Bulgaria from a cost of living point of view was, was far more attractive than, than Romania. Cluj was very interesting because A, it had, you know, it was university town, right? So the number of students available was huge as a percentage of population. Second, and very interestingly, is that from a geographical point of view, the languages that we got access to in Cluj were incredibly varied. So you had all the Latin languages, like obviously Romanian, French, Spanish, Italian, but you also had German. Okay. You had, you know, you had Russian and that was a very, very interesting sort of unique combination that Cluj stood out from the rest of the list that we had at that time. All right. So, so in 2007, is that when you made the move? Oh, well, no, in 2000, in March, 2008, I landed for the first time in Romania, in Cluj, with a little piece of paper with the hotel address <laughs> and, you know, the phone number of, of, of our lawyers who were going to help us incorporate the company. Okay. And, uh, and that was my first experience in Cluj. And, you know, back then, you know, the, 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 the airport in Cluj were like really tiny. And of course now we've got like, you know, an international airport with multiple runways and, you know, it's a, it's a fantastic terminal building. But back then it was like a small little building and as, and as, and I landed at like, I think one in the morning mm -hmm. 
And that was my first little experience of Cluj. Yeah. Yes. You know? Yeah. No, that when I first came to Romania to Bucharest about 14 years ago, I was surprised at how small the airport was myself. I mean, there was only like three baggage, you know, terminals or those things where the baggages come down. Like, and, and in Houston, where I came from, it was like the yep. airport was like 20 times the size of the airport here. And I was amazed. Yep. Like, this is, yeah, yeah. this is the capital of a country. And it's still much too small for what it should be, but it has gotten a little bit bigger. Okay, so you're in Romania. Yep. You've got this, you know, you got the number to your attorneys and you're going to incorporate this business. So what were some of the, like the most memorable things that happened, memorable things that happened to you the first year when you got here in Cluj, Pushkar? Oh, gosh. Um, the traffic was a shocker for me in, in Cluj. You're kidding. I remember the first day. No, I, no I, I, honestly, and I'll tell you why. First day, I, I, you know, I, I, was, I was here in Cluj. I picked up the phone and I called the lawyers and I said, hey, give me your address. And uh, asked me where I'm coming from. So I told them the hotel and they said, Oh my gosh, you know, you, you better leave early because, you know, the, you, you'll find a lot of traffic. It was like in nine in the morning and, you know, and I was thinking, you know, and that's coming straight from New Delhi, right? Which is like one city with about 20 million yeah. people, right? Yeah. So you can imagine the traffic. And when people say, you know, traffic is going to be bad in Delhi, it is insanely bad. And suddenly I was hearing the same advice here in Cluj. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, how long do you think it's going to take me from where, from my hotel to get to your place? And they said, 15 minutes. <laughs> and, and I had to sort of, you know, re recalibrate my, my, you know, measure of what bad traffic is, right? <laughs> and I was like, ah, okay, so that is bad traffic in Cluj. Okay. And remember, this is again, early 2008, yeah. right? So, so yeah, I mean, in the first year, you know, there was a lot of recalibration that I had to do based on, on not just being in a different country with completely different regulations as far as, you know, corporates are concerned, but also a very different culture. And, and that was, that was a very sort of thing, learning experience for me. And I, I loved every minute of it because, you know, every day there was something new happening, yeah. but it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I know what you mean by the traffic here in Bucharest, there's a mall that's one and a half kilometers away. But if you go during, during peak hours, traffic hours, it can take you more than 30 minutes to go one and a half kilometers yeah. in traffic here. Thank goodness. Yeah. I don't drive during the week because if I did, I wouldn't be living here anymore. I tell people there's probably, there's probably only a few places in this world where the traffic is worse, maybe in major cities in India, and then maybe in Cairo, yeah. right? But if you want to drive yeah. here in Bucharest, it's like the Hunger Games. You got to be prepared. Because <laughs> there's... Bucharest traffic compared to what I'm used to is so mellow, honestly, because I remember, you know, when I was used, I, I used to commute to work in my car in, in Delhi and it used to take me about 90 minutes one way. So, yeah. So, you know, I mean, I, I, and again, I remember, you know, the before the first time I actually visited Bucharest, uh, you know, we'd set up the team and I'd got a couple of colleagues in the office and their advice to me is that, look, be super careful because people in Bucharest are, you know, yeah. they drive like in six. And I was like, oh, okay, that's nice. It's going to be just like back home and, you know. <laughs> and then I, get, I land in Bucharest and, you know, everybody's sticking to their lanes and, you know, and I'm like, you know, what the hell were they talking about? <laughs> so yeah, it, was, it was a very different benchmark yeah. that I was sort of used to. Yeah, there, I had a neighbor and he was from Cairo and I was complaining about the traffic here. And he's like, what are you talking about? It's not that bad. It's actually quite nice. <laughs> exactly. Because Cairo, there's like yeah, 25 yeah. million people. And so it must be like, like, you're, like what you're used to back home. 
Okay, so yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Okay, so you set up you set up operations for this company that you're working for, but how did you come up with the idea yeah. of starting Ava? Well, so you know, so the company that I used to be working for, we were focused on virtual analytics and you know mostly research and business and a little bit of analytics. And you know, as as time went by, obviously, you know the 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 role of analytics became more important for the clients of that company that I was working for. And so our analytics practice started to mature more and more. And, you know, I, I moved to Sweden for about two years with the focus of trying to expand our footprint in the Nordics. And when I started speaking to clients in the Nordics, I sort of realized the massive potential that analytics has in, in decision-making, right? And there's just so much data that was already out there, which is not being used in the decision-making process that I figured that, you know, we need to sort of focus a lot more on analytics. And one thing led to another and, you know, we, I sort of quit the company that I was working for, started another company before Iva focused entirely on data analytics. And it was over there that, you know, we were, we started with traditional projects in data analytics. And one of the projects that we sort of got an opportunity to work on pushed me to artificial intelligence or the approach of using artificial intelligence in solving data analytics problems. And then that just sort of exploded, right? I mean, the potential that I saw that is particularly neural networks have in solving very difficult to define problems. Uh, I was like, this is the future. This is what we need to focus on. Okay. Now there's more, there's a lot of marketers that are probably listening to this, like myself or even entrepreneurs. And we, we actually use, you know, maybe some things like AI, maybe, you know, chat GPT or some other tools out there that you utilize yeah. AI, but we ourselves don't know where to start or how to incorporate AI into maybe different functions of, of our business. And so what advice would you give somebody or a business or a brand that's thinking about, Hey, where could AI be useful in my day-to-day -day operations? And then also like where, what would like the first place that you would recommend to go for guidance and education? Yeah, no, that's a very interesting question. So, you know, let me, let me begin by sort of giving everybody a disclaimer that, you know, despite all the media hype around AI, AI where it is right now is not a magic solution for everything. Uh, it has the potential to be in, in the foreseeable future, but we are not there yet. Uh, as far as, you know, how one can adopt AI in our business, what I would recommend is starting with processes which are either really monotonous or processes that required a huge amount of data to sort of ingest and understand and, and you know, analyze. And that's where AI right now sort of really shines. So one of the examples that, you know, we focus on here in Iowa is where clients invest like a hundred thousand euros in setting up a very complicated, dense TV network, right? For example, if you've got a hypermarket or if you've got a really large mall, you've got CCTV cameras in, inside there. Every, but who's really using this information, right? You've got, you've got one little room in the corner of the building, which is, you know, which has got a wall full of monitors and you've got a human yeah. being expected to look at all of those monitors at all, at all times. But you know, we guys are not built for that goal. Yeah. Right. I mean, we get distracted, you know, we, 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 we check our Facebook messages or WhatsApp or, you know, things like that. And we're not looking at all the streams at all the times. Yeah. Right. And that's where an AI comes into the picture. 
our AI, one of the things that our AIs can do is look at, monitor all of these streams and capture events in real time as they happen without getting distracted, without going on vacation, without taking, you know, a loo break, you know, without checking Facebook and so on and so forth. And wherever the AI detects such an event of interest, what it can do is it can, you know, bring the attention of the human to that event. And then the human can take a decision about what to do. Okay. And suddenly what is happening is that the AI is not replacing the humans, but it is augmenting that human being's capability to do, to be much more yeah. effective at their job than they were before. Yeah, more efficient. This is, this is fascinating. So from a retail perspective, like what are some examples of that the AI can, can see like, oh, this could be an issue. Let me notify, you know, the person in charge here. Can you give us some examples? Yeah. So, so one, one interesting thing that, you know, we are, we are seeing a lot of traction with is retail stores, you know, so you, you walk into a store, you've got, you know, rows of shelves stocked with products. And as a customer, you know, you, if you want a certain product, you go to that section, you pick it up and, you know, you, you pay the retail store for that product. But what happens if you need something and the product is not there on the shelves, right? Because during the day, okay. So you open the store and you make sure all your shelves are fully stocked. But during the day, you've got transactions and people coming and taking products off the shelf, right? So at some point, there are going to be times when certain products are not going to be anymore on the shelf, right? And that becomes a huge opportunity cost for our, for our clients, because if as a customer, I come in and I want a can of cola and that cola is not there on the shelf, then I'm not going to be spending my money in that store to buy the cola. I'm going to go to another store which has cola available, right? So it becomes essential for the retailers to make sure that the, the, that the shelves are completely stocked at all times. And the way it happens right now is that some human employee has to walk the entire with store. With a clipboard. Take a note of, yeah. with a yeah. clipboard, take a note of all the things and, and that, that can take yeah. time. Right? Yeah. On the other hand, if we use our AI connected to the existing CCTV cameras, the moment it sees a product or a shelf area, which is out of product. It'll send an immediate notification to the store manager and they can take the appropriate action depending on, you know, whether it's a fast moving good, whether it is a slow moving good, do they have the people available? You, the reaction time is incredibly high yeah. and the opportunity cost is next to zero, yeah. right? So making sure that the product is always available for any customer that walks into your yeah. store. This is so fascinating because it's a problem that, that retail knows that they have, but I don't think many stores have ever considered technology to be the answer, right? And, and, and they already have the infrastructure in place, right? I mean, they, there is no retail store in the world that doesn't have CCTV cameras inside their store, yeah. right? And now what we're doing is, you know, costs that they had to incur because, okay, you have to have for security reasons, you have to have a CCTV network inside your store. We're converting that sort of cost into a revenue yeah. generating asset. That is awesome. Okay. How right? does that make that happen? How does that, how do you convert their, their standard CCTV cameras to, you know, feature your technology? How does that happen in the background? Yeah. So, you know, what we do is, so we are part of NVIDIA's inception program, which gives us access to some really cool edge-based hardware. And what we do is these are specialized devices that are able to run AIs, complicated AIs. And what we do is, you know, we plug this device into the CCTV network at the store. 
which means that our AI, like any other human employee, is working in that store. It's not in the cloud. It's not somewhere, you know, outside the network. It's not outside the store. It's physically in the store. And that, that has two benefits. One is that it can connect directly to the CCTV cameras. And as soon as, as it connects to those cameras, it begins to comprehend what it sees. And the second, more from a sort of a security requirement perspective, none of the, the video feed is leaving the store. So we're not sending, you know, the video feed from each camera to the cloud for, you know, interpretation by an AI and so on and so forth. So from a security perspective, it is completely local inside the, the physical limits of the store. And that's really important from our client's perspective because, again, from a GDPR perspective, you don't want sort of any potential data leakage to happen. You don't want the data to leave your private network. You don't want to capture any personal or personally identifiable information. And that's something that we are never going to do as a company. And yet you want to be able to get business insights from your network. And that's how we enable that to happen. Okay. Fascinating, Pushkar. What kind of traction are you guys getting? Like, how many customers? Where are they at? Are you? Are you? Have you gone outside of Romania yet? Can you tell us more? Yeah. So you know, Romania. We started with Romania. We've got a couple of customers yeah, in Bucharest, uh, Oradea, and uh, you know, uh, those were the early adopters, and that really sort of helped us validate not just our technology, but the fact that there was a market need for our solution, and that was super important from our perspective. What happened then was we got the opportunity of actually going outside Romania. We are currently working with a municipality in the UK called Barnsley, where we are doing exactly the same thing, but for outdoor spaces. And that's really interesting because it is a very different sort of experience for us to work with a municipality that doesn't really have a profit motive in mind but more of a, a lifestyle service for its citizens. And that's a very different sort of approach and focus that we saw from, you know, the traditional commercial retailers and malls that we interacted with in, in Romania. And the plan is that, you know, in 2023, we further sort of established the footprint, not just in the UK, but obviously in Romania as well, because, you know, it's our, it's our home base. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned that you want to go into the UK. Any other big goals for 2023 that you're excited about? No, consolidation, I think is, is, is the key for us. What we'd like to do is we'd like to be in a, in a, in a very good position towards the end of the second half of this year to be able to raise our seed because what we'd want to do is we want to use the base that we've got to really sort of go from a startup to a scale up okay. more. We've seen that, you know, this is, this is the, the problems that we're solving is a problem that exists for every retailer on the planet, irrespective of which country they are in, right? So the potential market for us is, is huge. And we want to be able to grab that as quickly as possible. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I've got some rapid fire questions for you. When you, uh, when you hear the question, just yep. respond with the first thing that comes to your head. First question for you, what is an unusual food, unusual food or drink that you consume? Palinka. And I've learned to treat it with a lot of respect because the first time I had palinka was, it was homemade. So I had <laughs> no idea about how strong it was. And I sort of yeah. felt it. I had it before breakfast, right? On an empty stomach. Yeah. And I felt it for the rest of the day. So palinka is yeah. definitely something that, yeah. you know, I would For those it. listening, palinka is like the, uh, the Romanian, I guess it's like the national drink, but most Romanians make it at home. Every Christmas, my, my wife's father. Yeah comes with a bottle and it's like one of those 
it, it, it's just like a water bottle, but it's got Balinka in it and uh, it's strong as hell. Yeah. First time I had it, I thought, it's strong as I thought, I haven't tasted anything this strong since tequila. It is really strong. Yeah. Yeah. That is really strong. Okay. The second question, what's the most interesting thing that you've done in the last 26 days? Gone cycling downhill without using my brakes. So there, in Cluj, Cluj is a hilly, hilly town, right? And we've got this hill, pretty steep descent coming into town. And we, I had a challenge with one of my friends, one of my cycling buddies, if we could do that downhill without using brakes. And it's, 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 it's pretty tricky because, you know, it's, it's a very sort of curvy road that comes yeah. into town from the top of the hill. <laughs> And oh, it's, it's scary as hell. It's scary as hell. And I'll be honest, you know, I cheated a little yeah. bit because, you know, I had to use my brakes a little bit, but that was, that was really hey. fun. That was really fun. <laughs> hey, at least potential, potential investors know you've got a, an appetite for risk, right? <laughs> if they didn't know that already. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Okay. Next question. What is your greatest life accomplishment so far, Pushkar? I think that's yet to come, to be honest. I think whatever I've managed to do, I won't, I won't entirely credit it to myself. I've been super lucky so far that, you know, I've, I've, I've interacted with some really smart people, right? I mean, throughout my career and that sort of, I've been standing on the shoulders of giants, to be honest. And, and I think, you know, the, that, that, that achievement is still, is still to come. And I'm hoping it's going to be Iowa, to be honest. All right. All right. Well, listen, Pushkar, this has been a pleasure. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. This was a pleasure Where as well. Where can people learn more about you and Ava? At Ava.Vision, or you can follow me on, on LinkedIn, Pushka.Chatterjee on LinkedIn. All right, and I'll put links to the LinkedIn and his website in the show notes. So think about how inspired you feel right now about Pushkar's story. Imagine you had missed out on that. So if you haven't already, give that subscribe button a push. That way you are notified every time there is a new episode. But more importantly, that you don't miss out on stories like the one you heard right now. Now, before you go on with the rest of your day, I want you to hear something. You are awesome. Yes, you. Now you might be saying, come on, Eric, you just had Pushkar, who's a rock star, crazy cyclist on the show, and he's built this AI startup that is very cool. And while that may be true, if you're an entrepreneur, business owner, a startup, whatever you want to call yourself, you are one of a very small percentage of human beings that have the courage and vision to create something new. You are taking an idea and making it a reality. And that's pretty amazing, which makes you awesome. All right. Have a wonderful day and I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, I'd really appreciate it if you could give us a review and star rating. Also, don't forget to sign up for the ICO newsletter at innovatorscanlaugh.com where you can get the bio and details of each guest. Thanks.